Grace, mercy, and peace be to you from God, our Father, and from our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Amen. The Lord be with you. Well done. Well done indeed. That call and response, that greeting gives us a chance to move from one portion of the worship service to another. It's a, a sign to you that we're doing something new in the worship service itself. And if in your bulletin you'd be happy to pass over to pass the prayers, you'll see where that service of the sacrament begins with that phrase. And the Lord be with you, as we've mentioned one or two times before already, is a true greeting and a true blessing. The call is for the Lord to actually be with you. It's not just, hi there. It's, hi there in the name of the Lord, and may he be with you, as he promised. Matthew's gospel that we're celebrating all this year as well begins with the promise of Emmanuel. Jesus comes, born of the Virgin Mary, to fulfill the promise that God is with us. Just like he said in Isaiah, the virgin will conceive and bear a son, and you shall call his name Emmanuel, God with us. And not just kind of over our left shoulder here somewhere in the, in the ether, but with us in his body and blood, in his word and sacraments of baptism as well, that he is here. So the fulfillment of that word, the Lord be with you, would be to have all of those scriptures that you've learned from childhood on up to start running through your mind. That the Lord would be with you. That in hearing those words, you would even begin to salivate and anticipate that the body and blood of Christ will be in your mouth. So that they may be in mind, heart, body, and soul as well. That you might... Be refreshed again to remember that you have been baptized into Christ. The water of holy baptism has clothed you with Christ. That the Lord is with you, just as he promised to be. He has not promised to remain on Mount Sinai. He has not promised to remain in tabernacles and temples. He promised to be with you. We will come and make our home with the one who believes in us, the one who abides with us, we will abide with as well, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. And he's made that very, very plain. So that he's not just kind of everywhere, everywhere, but he's everywhere where you are and where his word is. And he's doing his work. And he is forgiving your sins when he is with you. And he is forgiving the sins of others as you pass that word of forgiveness on. And as the kingdom of God is happening, because God is with you. The Lord be with you, with his benefits, with his blessings, with his promises, holding you in the palm of his hand, so that you are empowered for his service every day, every moment, because Satan doesn't sleep, and the world doesn't just go away at our beck and call. The Lord is with us in order to guard, keep, and uphold when all of those temptations and all of those trials and all of those other voices try to claim God's throne in our hearts and minds 
over him, to usurp that place, to be cast out. No, the Lord be with you is the antidote to another Lord being with you and being your Lord. Let Jesus be your Lord and let him be with you even as he promised. So as we begin the service of the sacrament again, your mouth should start salivating. Your heart should start salivating. Your eyes and ears should start looking for the signs that the Lord is here in his presence, in his temple, in his place. Because he is about to take up again residence with you for this time again. To assure you with the medicine of salvation and the medicine of eternal, eternal immortal life that God is with you. Jesus in his resurrection at the right hand of God is not locked away someplace else, but he's there so that he can be with you wherever and whenever you are so that his word is alive and active with you. The Lord be with you. And thank you that he is also with me. There's another phrase that goes along with that in the Divine Service 3, and with your spirit, which is simply a recognition that I am here also with, with the gifts of ordination along with the gifts of baptism. No big deal about that necessarily. But just a matter of saying, yes, Pastor, and with you too. But the next phrase is a curious one. Lift up your hearts. And it's the basis for the bulletin cover graphic as well. Sursum corda. Lift up your hearts. And the sermon title today puts it this way. Hearts up. And, and I think the idea here is particularly that we would now pay attention in a new way to what is happening because the service of the word has concluded and now the service of the sacrament is beginning. When we want to get people's attention, sometimes we'll say a phrase like heads up. In the liturgy, it's not heads up, it's hearts up. Hearts on high is a direct translation of that, or hearts upward is a direct translation of that. Now, it's a matter of paying attention because God is going to be present with us now in a way that we have anticipated up until this moment. In fact, in fact, the service of the sacrament is what all of this word has been leading up to. We talked in Bible study today about two occasions when this was played out in the course of uh, God's people's lives together. When the people of Israel were wrapping up their time of, uh, of the covenant ceremony at Mount Sinai, Moses read to them the, the words of the covenant from the Ten Commandments all the way through the Holiness Code. It's about four chapters worth of stuff. And then they said, everything the Lord God says we will do. And then they had a sacrifice and a meal together. So there was a, a word and then there was a meal and that was worship. As a new covenant is established, Jesus does the same thing. He walks with his disciples on the road to Emmaus, and he unpacks for them the words of the Old Testament concerning himself. They have a Bible study together. They have a time of teaching together, and then they come into the house, and they have the Lord's Supper together. He 
breaks the bread, and what happens? Their eyes are opened, and they recognize him in the breaking of the bread. That's the Holy Spirit's desire for you today. That when you have heard the word and come to the altar of God and receive the body and blood of Jesus, you will see him. Your eyes will be open to know that the Lord God of heaven and earth who made you and has redeemed you and has come to be with you and promised to be your God and to be your brother along with you in Christ is now here and with you, abiding in and for you. So pay attention, hearts up, that this is a gift that is not going to just be seen with the eyes, but also embraced by faith, because it is a promise. You see, the organ of your body that is most attentive is not only just your eyes to see and your lips to taste and to hear and to see, but, but to hear. I jumped ahead of myself. But it is the promise of God. It's your ears that are going to receive that word. This is the body and blood of Christ given and shed for you for the forgiveness of sins. And in this way, God is with you, fulfilling that very word. So paying attention, not just with our eyes or even with our mouths or with our ears, but also with faith and the heart. The knowing that it isn't just knowing. Right? There's a certain repentance involved in that. There's a certain repentance in knowing that it isn't just about knowing. It's about trusting. That these are words not just to recite, but words that are promises to believe and to hold on to. That they are the foundation of life because they are God's word of promise. That here he is for you and for me. So paying attention to these words, not just with ear and eye and lips, but also with our hearts and minds. So hearts up, because God is coming. In all the phases of the worship service, the Lord God gets closer and closer to us and draws us closer and closer to him. From outside on the roads and highways, just like our gospel lesson talked about, to be invited to come in and to share the word right here in the nave, in the, in the area that is for, for all of us together, and then all the way up into the bedroom of the Lord, to be one with him, to be the bridegroom and the bride together, tasting and seeing that he truly is good. Some of them on the highway, to the porch, to the living room, to the dining room, all the way up to the bedroom as well, where our vows are made complete and the Lord's promises made complete as well, where we are one together with him and with one another, as he declares it so. And so all the things that would separate us from God and the confession absolution and us from one another and in the sharing of confession and forgiveness amongst ourselves, that nothing would hinder our fellowship with him and with, with each other. So hearts up. We pay attention with our whole self, body, soul, mind, and heart. For this reason, too, we give thanks to God for fulfilling his promise to be with us 
always. That there won't be a week that goes by. That there won't even be a day that goes by where his promises are not flourishing for us. That we are not abandoned as orphans, but that he is with us. Along with this opening phrase back and forth, then we turn to a seasonal recognition of what the sacrament is all about. Whether it is Advent or whether it's Christmas, whether it's Epiphany or Lent or Easter, whether it's any of the particular seasons of the church year or during even this green season where general time runs its course, various blessings of how to see the sacrament in light of what promises those times of our Lord's life would bring. So for Advent, John the Baptist calls repentance. It's certainly apropos when it comes to the sacrament of the altar. No one comes to the sacrament of the altar ready who has not recognized that they are in need of it. And so the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world is properly recognized and properly received by a repentant heart and so forth in Advent. For Christmas, the blessing of... The blessing of the sacrament of the altar is that just as Jesus was born of the Virgin Mary, that God didn't stay aloof and transcendent and away from us, but had come to us in the manger as the very body and blood Jesus there in the manger with Mary and Joseph. Now he is on at our altar together too with us. So the body and blood of Jesus that was born and shared his life and ministry is now here with us in his resurrection life for us as well. Without Christmas, you can't have Easter. Without Christmas, you can't have the Lord's Supper. Well, in Epiphany, the manifestation of the Son of God for the sake of the entire world is put on display as wise men come and as disciples go out to share the word of the Lord and as Jesus preaches the kingdom of God. This is a gift that is shared among the nations so that the Lord's reign and rule would be with and over them as well. And in Lent, certainly the, the gift of the cross is prevalent there in the sacrament. The fact that he was crucified and given for us, shed his blood and broke his body so that we might be able to take and receive the good gifts from the Son of God. And in his resurrection, apart from that, there is no sacrament either. But all of these gifts, all of these times of Jesus' own life that we celebrate throughout the church here, each of them brings with it its own benefits and its own gifts to our appreciation of the gift of the sacrament of the altar. And those proper prefaces bring out all of those, all those opportunities. Today, especially with all of the lessons pointing to this great feast, it is certainly good to be talking about these things on this day, because this is the feast. This is the feast that provides the victory over death, where the shroud of death is taken away, where the feast of the, the king, because of the wedding of his son, is now spread before all of you who shine in your wedding garments. That by baptism you have been dressed in the garments of Christ so that you can participate and enjoy and celebrate this gift along with the rest of his church. But there's one more aspect of this in the prefaces that are 
important for us before we move on to the next subject. And that is this last line. Therefore, with angels and archangels, and with all the company of heaven, we laud, that is praise, and magnify your glorious name, evermore praising you and saying, Holy, Holy, Holy. Now the Sanctus is for next week. But this last phrase is a reminder that we do not celebrate this meal alone. Everyone who has ever believed in the Lord Jesus Christ, and remember all those who are around the world right now, and remember all those who are coming after us. The Lord sees them all. The Lord knows them all by name. Just as we have a place at this table, they have a place at the table of the Lord as well. We look forward to the day when that unity in the faith can be celebrated world without end. Amen. And we look forward to the moment when we can share along with all of God's saints in the blessings of the feast that goes on forever. People whose names we've only read about in Scripture, and people whose names we may never know until that day when we see them face to face in the light of the, of the, of the Lamb of God who took away all of our sins. But with angels and archangels and all the company of heaven, we are invited to share in this feast that goes on until he comes to gather us to his banquet hall. And so we go out to the highways and byways. We invite those to come in because Christ is here and he is for them just as he is for us so that his banquet hall may be full. Amen. The peace of God that passes all human understanding. Keep your hearts and minds in faith towards Christ Jesus. Amen.